Some of you have to stay. <laughs> I know, they get snacks and everything, but... We're going to continue, or actually kind of pick back up our study on prayer this morning. We've, we've seen that Jesus talks a lot about prayer, and he talks a lot about personal prayer, our personal prayer life, because it's critical. A personal prayer life is critical to the Christian walk. So we've seen Jesus talk about just that conversation and what those elements are between us and our Father, us and the Father that loves us. Today, we're going to look at prayer for others. We saw it just a little bit in the, in the prayer in, in the Garden of Gethsemane that we looked at two weeks ago. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is troubled. He's deeply troubled. He's distressed. He's depressed. And so he asks his friends to pray for him. He asks Peter, James, and John to pray for him when he's depressed and distressed and deeply troubled. So we talked a little bit about how we need to do that, how we need to reach out to friends when we feel that way, because that's what Jesus did. So we saw a little bit about prayer with, uh, for others last week, but we're going to dive in a little deeper today. We, we've got just a couple of verses today. It's Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It's a short passage. But it's, it's got some depth of meaning, so we're going to work our way through it. So let's read Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It will be up here behind me. Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have, been tur when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So again, a short passage, but this is talking about Jesus praying for Peter. And so I think it's important for us to kind of break down the different, uh, what, what the elements of Jesus' prayer to Peter are. So first, the context. This happens immediately after, if you, if you read chapter 22, it, it happens immediately after they celebrate the Passover together, the Passover Seder meal, which then Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper and so it happens right after that, and, and then Jesus tells them, one of you is going to be, betray me. And of course, they all point fingers and say, well, it's not going to be me, it's going to be that guy. And so everybody's pointing fingers, and then, they're, then they actually start into a discussion about, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? When the new kingdom comes, who's going to be the greatest? And so Jesus tells them, that a little leadership lesson, that the, the greatest leaders are servants. And then he pulls Peter aside, and he has this conversation with Peter. And he tells Peter that he prayed for him. And he says he specifically prayed for Peter's faith. He prays for his faith, that his faith would not fail. Now, I want you to consider a few things about this. First of all, notice who Jesus prays against, Satan. He says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. So he's praying against Satan. Satan is the enemy of mankind. He is the one that is trying to destroy your life. He is the one that is, that is trying to destroy the life of a, an apostle, a, a, a disciple of Jesus. How close is Peter to Jesus? 
and yet Satan is still attacking him. So should we, have, should we expect anything different? No matter how close we are to Jesus, we can be under attack. And, and, he, and, and so Jesus says he prays against Satan here. But he also, uh, uh, kind of hidden in there, he says that Satan's asked to sift him like wheat. It's kind of good to know that God limits what Satan can do. Isn't it? It doesn't say that, that God's going to save Peter from this. It says that God is going to limit what Satan can do. I think it's comforting to know two things. First of all, that God limits what Satan can do. And secondly, that Jesus is interceding on your behalf. We see it here. We see it again in the book of Hebrews. When it describes Jesus as the great high priest, Jesus is interceding on your behalf. So we have, we have Jesus telling Peter, Satan has asked permission from God to do this. So God has limited what he can do, what, Peter, what, what Satan can do, and that Jesus has prayed for Peter. That's happening right now for you and for me. The believer has Jesus interceding for him and God limiting what Satan can do, what, how far he can go, how long it can last. All of those limits are put on the, the enemy by God. And so what Peter does is he prays, he, he prays that Peter's faith won't fail. Faith is important. Faith is the weapon God has given us. Faith is what not only brings us through the hard time, the sifting like wheat times. Faith is what brings us through those. It's also how we are restored. It's also it, it's the weapon of warfare when we're in a spiritual battle and the way that we are restored. So faith is important. So Peter, Peter's faith is prayed for by Jesus. Now I want you also to, to back up half a step and consider what Jesus knows here. Jesus knows what Peter's about to do. Peter is about to deny Jesus three times before sunrise. In fact, he tells him that in the next couple of verses. I know you're going to deny me. But does that stop Jesus from praying for Peter? No. As a matter of fact, it makes Jesus pray for Peter. Now, how many times have we decided somebody has hurt us, and so we're done praying for them? I'm not going to pray for you because you've hurt me. Jesus prays for him specifically because of this. Specifically because... He knows Peter's about to choose himself over Jesus. And yet Jesus prays for him. And he prays that his faith will not fail. We know people whose faith has failed. We know people that have not made it through a trial with their faith intact. We also know people that have hurt us. And what, what we see here, the example of Jesus is that we pray for those people, and we pray that their faith does not fail. And we pray for restoration. <clears throat> Jesus says he's prayed for Peter's restoration. When you have turned back. Now, consider this for a minute. 
he knows, Jesus, Jesus knows that Peter is going to deny him. He is going to harm him. He is going to choose himself over Jesus. He knows all of this, and he prays not only for Peter's faith, but he prays when you are restored, when you turn back. He prays for restoration. So what does that incorporate? Well, it has to incorporate forgiveness, doesn't it? It has to incorporate forgiveness because Jesus is about to be harmed by Peter. It hasn't happened yet. It's gonna. And Jesus knows it's coming. So he's already forgiving Peter for what he's going to do. So praying for restoration means praying for forgiveness. Praying in forgiveness. If they have harmed you, you pray for, you forgive them in praying for their restoration. And he gives Peter instruction on what to do after he's restored. So he knows that Peter's going to turn back. He knows that, that God's going to restore him. And so he gives him instruction. And when that's happened, strengthen your brothers. It's kind of incredible to think, but Peter's the perfect example of it. Our falling away and being restored can be used by God to his glory. Think about what happens with Peter. Peter denies Jesus three times. He turns back. He is restored, and he becomes one of the greatest preachers of the New Testament. He becomes the one that really kind of teaches Paul theology. He becomes a church planter, the, probably the greatest church planter. We, we give that, that uh, title to Paul, but honestly, think about how many, as we studied the book of Acts, think about how many different places Peter uh, spread the gospel. How many different places Peter gave a sermon of redemption. The restoration that, that Jesus prays for Peter, it comes to God's glory at the end. So in praying for others, here are some of the things that we need to think about. Pray for others even when they are about to do something or are doing something that's against us, that's against you. Forgive and pray for them. And pray for their, that their faith may not fail. Pray that their faith may not fail. How often do we pray that God take them out of a circumstance or change the circumstance. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't say, don't let him be tested. Jesus says, when he's tested, restore him. May his faith continue and restore him when he's done. We, I think we get it wrong when we think that, that we just need to pray somebody out of a situation. Maybe God is going to use that situation to change them. It, he did with Peter. He changed Peter completely. And so when, when we pray for others, pray that, that, that their faith may not fail. Pray also that with, with the trust that God has limited what Satan can do in this situation. God has put limits on that situation. Now, we can have a great theological discussion about why God allows it in the first place. But the plain fact is, we know he does. 
We see it over and over and over again in Scripture. We see, you're studying Daniel. We see those three in the furnace, not saved from it, saved through it. We see this again and again in Scripture. And so we see God has set limits on what Satan can do. The first chapter of Job is all about this. We know everything that Job goes through, but the first chapter is, is God and Satan having this conversation about, I'm going to let you go this far. Pray that their faith won't fail, trusting that Jesus is interceding on their behalf and on your behalf, and trusting that God has set limits for what Satan can do. And pray that they are restored. Again, we spend our time praying that the situation changes rather than, than praying that their faith would be strengthened by the situation. We saw, we saw with the, the prayer of Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane that he prayed for something that he knew God would say no to. But he did it three times. And through it, he was strengthened. Maybe that's what's going on in, in the situation. Maybe somebody is being strengthened. Pray their faith won't fail, trusting that God is, has limited Satan and that Jesus is interceding for them and pray that they're restored at the end of it. And when they are restored, pray that God use it for his glory. Again, think about the story of Peter. Peter goes, you know, you know Peter from the, from the Gospels, Right? He's the brash guy that's always out front. If it comes in his head, it comes out his mouth. He, he, he just, there's no filter here. He just talks. He just acts. He chops off the ear of Malchus when they come to arrest Jesus. He's just this guy. What does he become after this? What does he become after Jesus prays for him? He becomes somebody God can use. He becomes one of the greatest preachers in the New Testament. And I, one other point I would make that I didn't make a, separately is that Jesus prays for Peter specifically and personally. See, it's a, it's a completely different prayer to say, I, I pray for all those lost people, than it is to say, this person whom I know is lost. It's a different prayer. Jesus prays, for him personally, for Peter personally and specifically, that his faith will not fail, that he's restored, and that his restoration comes to, to be the glory of God. I think it's fair to say, it's my opinion, that Peter's faith probably would have failed completely had it not been for this prayer of Jesus. Because I'll say again, who is, who is Peter in the Gospels, he is that guy that just shouts and he's brash and he says what he thinks and he's always out front. He's that guy. And what happens when he denies Jesus three times is he comes to the end of himself. He comes to the point where he no longer has, he, he can no, no longer accomplish this. He, he chooses himself over Jesus because he's out of strength. He, he looks at what's happening to Jesus, and then they say, hey, you, you're one of his. And he thinks, I don't want that. I don't know 
mentally how to deal with that. I don't know how emotionally what's going on, so I'm just going to deny. I'm just going to choose myself. I'm going to save myself. He gets to that point, then he becomes useful to God. He becomes useful to God when he gets to the end of himself. Because out there at the end of yourself is where the, the strength of God begins. If you can do whatever you're doing in your own strength, God's not doesn't have to be involved, does he? You have to get to the point where you're doing it in his strength. Because when you're doing it in his strength, you're doing it in unlimited strength. Unlimited power. As long as it's, it's in your hands alone, you will get to an end of what you can do. You'll never get to the end of what God can do in you and through you. I think, uh, I think Peter's faith would have failed entirely. And instead, he becomes one of the greatest preachers in the New Testament. His sermon in Acts chapter 2 is incredible. It's incredible theology. It's incredible. It, books have been written on that sermon, book after book after book, on that sermon. That sermon doesn't happen without this, this prayer of Jesus. So when we pray for others, we need to think about this situation here. We need to pray that their faith will not fail in the midst of, of whatever trial they're in. We need to pray trusting that God has limits on Satan and that Jesus is interceding on, for him or her and for you. We need to pray that they turn back and that they're restored. And we need to pray that their restoration gives glory to God. That's what happens to Peter. Because of this prayer of Jesus, that's what happens to Peter. I know many of the things that you're going through right now because of the prayer chain or, or what, what have you. But what do you need right now? What do you need to ask God for right now? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and simply ask God for it. And as you do that, I'm going to pray this prayer for you. Father, I pray for each here and each within the sound of my voice that their faith would not fail. That you would limit what Satan can do in, their, in this situation and in their life. I pray knowing, trusting that Jesus is interceding on their behalf. And so I pray that their faith may not fail, that they are restored, that they turn back to be restored. And I pray that when they're restored, you, are the, you have the glory, that you are given the glory, that their lives then glorify you. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.